Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like that was me. Well, sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm gonna do is, I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Charisse merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which was another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we get started with this recap, I do have a couple things I need to address here. Number one, obviously, The Booch is once again flying solo for AEW. But this time, I'm not pissed off about it because Gator did tell me long in advance that he would not be available to do the AEW recap this week because as you guys know uh, one of Gator's many jobs in the wrestling business is that he is a team 
teacher at a wrestling school, and his students are getting ready for a big showcase that is taking place this weekend. So he's at the school right now getting the kids ready because some of these students are either having their first match ever or they're having like their second or their third. Either way, they're kids without a lot of experience. And even though I'm, I'm saying they're kids, most of them are probably, uh, you know, maybe 10 years younger than me. But in the business, they're considered kids because they're new. Um, but he has to get them ready for their show. So he was not going to be here this week. Now, he told me this months ago, which is why I wasn't angry. But he did remind me, which I appreciated because I definitely would have forgotten. And I definitely would have been like, what the fuck, if he hadn't told me. But he did tell me in, in, in advance it was going to happen. So today he sent me a reminder, which I appreciated. So I knew Gator was going to be here and it's okay that he's not that being said I do have another thing I need to address before I jump into this recap as you guys know last week I posted the AEW recap uh, for April 19th and most of you have heard it already. Well, apparently there was a tech issue, and I had to repost it uh, to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course to the Facebook and Twitter pages of the Boochcast. Basically, as Gator would say, what had happened was, over the weekend, this past weekend, I was getting the last of the podcasts done uh, that I was putting out from now till SummerSlam. Because basically what I do is, I put out a lot of classic episodes, and and I do a lot of planning in advance. A lot of this, uh, every Monday, just about, there's either a classic pay-per-view review that Gator and I do that's brand new, or I put up some old, old episodes from the SoundCloud days as I am in the process of transferring the SoundCloud episodes to the Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio platforms. I'm in the process of making that happen. And what I do is, I wait till we hear an announcement from WWE on when the next Big Four pay-per-view is, in this case SummerSlam and I was scheduling everything that I needed to schedule leading up to SummerSlam to make sure there was at least one classic episode out a week. And then of course the NXT and AEW recaps follow from that. So that way all I have to do is worry about NXT and AEW. Well I was getting the last of the uh, reviews done and one in particular that we have that is scheduled to come out on July 3rd yes that's how far out I'm doing this all the way up to SummerSlam which is August 5th and once I find out the announcement for when they're going to air Survivor Series I will start scheduling more episodes to come out leading up to the Survivor Series and then the Royal Rumble and then WrestleMania 40 and so on and so forth. Well the episodes coming out July 3rd is the classic pay-per-view review where Gator and I check out WCW Great American Bash 1997 and we had recorded it well in advance but I needed time to edit it with all the stuff that's been going on so since it doesn't come out for months I've kind of been working on it here and there well this past weekend I had nothing to do and I was going to be home all weekend because I had to uh, dog sit Bonnie because my mom and my brother are out of town so I took it upon myself to use that downtime to edit the Great American Bash and finish it up then I scheduled it to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And as I got it up there to schedule, for whatever reason, there was some kind of glitch. And instead of the episode coming out on July 3rd, it somehow replaced the AEW audio that I had put out for that recap. So when people would click on the link, instead of hearing the AEW recap, they would hear the Great American Bash. I don't know how the fuck this happened. And I do have to give a 
special shout out right now to Brian Masters, who's on Twitter at bmasters4e. I'm giving him a shout out right now here on the uh, Boochcast. And the reason I'm doing that is because Brian actually brought this to my attention. Because obviously when I schedule podcasts and I put them out, I make sure they're perfect before I post them. And once I post them, I'll be straight up honest with you guys, I don't listen to them ever again. And the reason is because I don't have to listen to it. I recorded it. I'm not the type of person that sits around listening to his own podcast. I think that's kind of vain. You know, I think that's like an arrogant thing to do. Obviously, I want other people to listen to my podcast, but I'm not going to sit and listen to my own podcast. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't have to listen to it. I know what's on it. I recorded it. Plus, I had to listen to it while I was editing it and putting it together and making sure it's great. So I've already heard the episode a hundred times. I don't need to hear it a hundred and one times. So if Brian hadn't brought that to my attention, I would have never known. And it would have just stayed like that probably forever and ever until somebody brought it to my attention. So once he did, I thanked him and then I went back and I fixed it. But I, I, or I tried to fix it, but then what happened, it would not change. So I finally had to delete the whole thing and re-upload the AEW recap and put it back out there, which obviously is good because people can still hear it. So I had to delete all the links and put everything back up and reorganize everything and structure it so that it would come out at the right time. And the good news is people are still downloading it. The bad news is it looks like it has low numbers. For example, there are five people who have downloaded it since I reposted it. But before I deleted it, there was 10 people listening. So what I'm going to do is when I see that episode, I just add 10 to it. So as far as I'm concerned, 15 people downloaded that episode. And as it goes up and up and up and up and up, that's where I'm going to keep it at. So I just add 10 to whatever number is there because as far as I'm concerned, I got fucked on that one. And obviously some fans did too. But I refixed it. I sent the link to Brian personally to check out. He thanked me, so everything's cool. Obviously, the Great American Bash is still scheduled for July 3rd. And obviously, if you were one of the people that heard that episode during the glitch incident, you may or may not want to listen to it again. Or if you didn't get a chance to hear it during the glitch incident, you just heard AEW, you probably have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. Then, obviously, on July 3rd, you can check out the classic pay-per-view review that Gator and I did of the Great American Bash 1997 so I just wanted to clarify that for everybody out there to explain there was in fact a tech issue but I did in fact fix it so everything's good everything's normal and we can now proceed with the episode so we're gonna start this baby off with our first official match of the evening for the AEW International Championship Orange Cassidy defends the title against Bandito okay this match was basically a fucking spot fest this was everything I thought it was gonna be and then some there were times in this match where there was a little bit of wrestling but the wrestling was minimal, which is how it normally is. You know, it's Orange Cassidy doing the stupid pocket shit that makes a match look phony and makes it look stupid and ridiculous. And Bandito is the same type of wrestler that does the, you know, spot monkey crap that, that also makes the business look fake because it requires too much cooperation to get it done. So this was not an interesting match at all. It was basically just there. And once again, Orange Cassidy remains the champion despite the fact that he brings no value to that title of any kind and it's and he's basically just there to make marks happy and because tony loves his little doggy and then of course after the match they do the whole thing where they try to shake hands and everything but um 
pockets, tries to put the glasses on Bandito, which looks stupid because he's wearing a fucking mask. So the glasses are like slanted on his head. So it looks fucking dumb. And then they walk out of the ring and it's like, oh, we're best buddies now. So yeah, this is a waste of fucking time. Then we cut to the backstage area where Adam Cole uh, vows to call out Chris Jericho later in the show. Orange Cassidy and Bandito briefly show up after Cole walks away. They talk about what happens and then he just goes, oh, and walks away. Again, trying to do the lazy shit and trying to be funny like, I don't care about anything and it's fucking retarded. The fact that this gimmick is over is why wrestling doesn't get a lot of the respect it deserves is because people go crazy for stupid shit like this. But despite that, Adam Cole obviously, you know, angry about what happened last week. Anyone would be after what happened to his girlfriend. Um, I think that for someone who wants to call out Chris Jericho, I feel like Adam Cole is trying to keep his emotions in check, and I feel like he needs to be a little bit angrier. Not that he's not angry. I know, Clearly, he's angry. I just feel like, I don't feel like there's enough oomph to it. I feel like there needs to be more. I want to see, like, you know, rage in the eyes. I, I, I get the tone of the voice, but I don't see the rage in the eyes. I don't feel like this is somebody who wants to break Chris Jericho in half. Like, I want to see more anger from Adam Cole, baby. And then uh, we see Renee later on interviewing uh, Darby Allen and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Allen says they both said some things they may not have meant last week. He asked Perry to have his back, knowing that MJF and Sammy Guevara will try to cheat him in his match. Perry knows that he wished the match was between the two of them, and Allen responds by saying he'd win if it was. The two stars stare each other down as tensions continue to rise. Okay, overall, I did enjoy this segment. Obviously, Darby's trying to get back up, and of course, you know, Jungle Perry saying he wished the match between the two of them. But here's my issue here. The whole point of this conversation is for Darby Allen to try to get some backup going into the match with Sammy Guevara because he knows that him and MJF are in cahoots. So you're looking to Jungle Boy saying, hey, have my back tonight. Look, I crossed the line with some of the things I said about you. And you definitely crossed the line saying some things about me. Let's let bygones be bygones. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to like each other. But I would appreciate you having my back tonight when I face the Spanish spot monkey. And Darby Allen's idea is trying to imply that if he was facing Jungle Boy, he would win. It's like, why do that? Why would you provoke the other person when you're asking for their help? This is not a good time to have your ego jump out at you or try to act like you're a dominant badass or that you're better than the other person. That's not a way to get somebody on your fucking side because Darby's the one reaching out for help. Jungle Boy is not offering to help him. Jungle Boy could give two squirts of piss about Darby Allen and Sammy G. So if you're going to ask somebody to have your back for the sake of the pillars of AEW, then in that moment, you need to be eating a huge slice of humble pie. That's what Darby Allen needed to do in this segment. Swallow your fucking pride, check your ego at the door, and humble yourself to get this person to help you. Convince this person to stand by your side. But telling him, yeah, you could beat him in a fight, that's not going to make somebody come fucking help you. Why would I help somebody that said that to me? So on Darby's part, that's fucking stupid. It basically killed the whole thing because now it's blatantly obvious he's not coming to help him. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got... Dax Harwood goes one-on-one -on -one against Jeff Jarrett. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, I am about to use a chant that wrestling fans use a lot. And most of the time when they say it, they tend to get it wrong. But in this case, it's absolutely right. And that chant is this. This is wrestling. 
This is wrestling. This is wrestling. This is wrestling. This is wrestling. You want to know what wrestling is? You want to know what wrestling is supposed to be? You want to see professional wrestling done right? These two motherfuckers did exactly that. Why? Because with these two, there's no bullshit. Dax Harwood is all business in a ring. No flips, just fists. Jeff Jarrett, old school, fucking worker, amazing, Hall of Famer. This guy embodies everything that a wrestler should be. And the fact that he knows psychology is why he's still able to wrestle at his age. This is why I keep saying in wrestling, age is just a number. If you know psychology, if you know storytelling, if you know proper working and you're properly trained like Jeff Jarrett is, you can have a great match at his age, which is exactly what the fuck they had. There was wrestling, there was working, there was psychology, there was storytelling. The pacing was very well done. Jeff Jarrett obviously dictated the pace and Dax Harwood kept up with him very, very well. And there were so many times where it could have gone either way. And you know what would happen. And then in the end, Sanjay Dutt, despite the fact that he was banned from ringside, still found a way to interfere, trip up Harwood. Jarrett gets a two count. Harwood chases Dutt around ringside. You know, Sanjay gets in the ring, rolls out. Dax gets back in the ring. Jarrett hits the stroke. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Jeff Jarrett. So Jeff gets his win in a dastardly way like a heel is supposed to and you get a solid finish. And you didn't have to see anybody dive head first out of the ring or stick their hands in their fucking pockets or dive into the fucking crowd or go out onto the fucking floor or go around the fucking building. They stayed in the ring and had a match. This is what great wrestling is. This is a match that if you are a student, and I know Gator's got students. In fact, Gator, if you happen to be listening to this, get a copy of that match between Dax and Jarrett and fucking show that to your students. This is proper wrestling. This is what the fuck you should do in a goddamn ring. And then after the match, Dutt hands Jarrett Harwood's title belt and Jarrett celebrates with it. Keep in mind, of course, it's a tag team title. So basically trying to say that Jeff Jarrett can now get a shot at the tag team titles, most likely with Jay Lethal. But unless you're actually going to put the belts on them, there's no reason to have that fucking match again. And then we cut to good old TK, Tony Khan, who has another announcement... He's like the Dixie Carter of announcements. And it talks about the opening ceremonies for the Owen Hart tournament will be held at Double or Nothing. The tournament match will take place in Canada, including at Forbidden Door. And July 15th, is when the finals will take place in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which is where the Hart family lives. And of course, one of the reasons they're including the tournament matches in Forbidden Door is because Owen Hart is a former IWGP junior heavyweight champion because Owen Hart did wrestle in New Japan for a period of time. So obviously, they want to keep the Owen Hart tournament going. I have no objections to it, obviously, because, you know, Owen Hart, incredible wrestler, one of the all-time greats, the one member of the Hart family that actually deserved to be a world champion unlike the one member of the Hart family that did become the world champion but I also have to admit and I think anybody with common sense can clearly see the only reason Martha Hart is doing this is to give a giant middle finger to Vince McMahon that is the only reason Martha Hart is doing this She's not doing this for Owen. She's not doing this for the love of wrestling. She's doing this to say fuck you to Vince 
McMahon. Everything Martha does that's related to wrestling is a fuck you to Vince McMahon. Because to this day, she still 100% blames the WWE for Owen Hart's death. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If that's how she wants to live her life, if that's who she wants to blame, that's fine. Now, obviously, if you watch the episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring, where we talked about the final days of Owen Hart, obviously we've had a discussion on this. I don't begrudge Martha for the choices that she makes, and I'm not going to shit on her either. But at the same time, I got to call it like it is. That's what I do on this show. I'm keeping it real. I know she's not doing this for Owen's memory because her big thing was she wanted Owen Hart to stop being celebrated. She wanted Owen to rest in peace. And also, they've made it very clear on that Dark Side of the Ring episode, at least her children have, that they hate the wrestling business because they blame wrestling for the reason their dad is no longer alive. They have blamed the wrestling business completely. That's why Owen Hart will never go into the WWE Hall of Fame. Because they will not allow it. Martha has made it very clear. She don't want Owen in the Hall of Fame. Her children have made it clear. They don't want him in the Hall of Fame. They don't want WWE to have the privilege of enshrining Owen Hart's name in the Hall of Fame. At all. For any reason. Because they have hatred towards WWE. And they will carry that hatred to their graves. And whether or not they're justified for it. That's up for discussion. I'm not going to talk about it here. I'm just being honest. This is a fuck you to Vince is all it is. That's why it's hard for me to really enjoy it but at the same time I do love the fact that Tony Khan is honoring Owen Hart's memory despite the fact he never wrestled in AEW for obvious reasons but don't act like Tony Khan is the only one honoring Owen Hart the WWE has done tributes to Owen Hart on many occasions they've even put out best of Owen DVDs everybody in WWE thinks very highly of Owen Hart you would be hard pressed to find somebody in WWE that hates Owen Hart. Hell, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the one person who is 100% justified in hating Owen Hart, doesn't hate Owen Hart. So that should tell you something. Austin has love for the guy, and he damn near crippled him. So, we'll see what happens with this tournament, but just remember, it's a fuck you to Vince. Nothing more. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, We got Wardlow with Arn Anderson versus a random competitor. First of all, just say I feel sad for this random competitor because this guy is so insignificant in the wrestling business. They ain't even bother to tell you his name. And it's AEW. AEW shines spotlights on wrestlers that most people don't know or give a single fuck who they are or where they come from. Yet they will promote this guy like he is a god amongst gods in wrestling. But this guy doesn't get a name. Even in WWE... They mention the name of the jobber. Even if they change his name briefly for the show. AEW didn't even bother to name this guy. And basically, Wardlow runs all over him. Drops him with a bunch of power bombs and gets the win. Now, that being said, this was not a wrestling match. But here's the thing. It didn't need to be. In fact, between this match, the match before that, and the match before that, I'm going to say something I never thought I would say about AEW. They actually have variety on this show. They had a spot fest to open the show. They had technical wrestling and great psychology in the second match. And now this third match, you have a big guy dominating. You're seeing different aspects of the business. You're seeing different matches. None of these matches 
were the same. In AEW, that is so fucking rare. In fact, maybe, unless somebody can name another time, I can't think of another time in the history of All Elite Wrestling where I saw a Dynamite card where the first three matches were completely different. I can't remember the last time I saw that. If you can, let me know, because I ain't seen it. Then after the squash, Arn Anderson grabs the microphone, heights up Wardlow after the bell. He calls him AEW's dynasty. He says nobody has what Wardlow has, and he noticed that during the uh, three years he's been walking around the halls of AEW and combines that with the 40-plus years he has in the wrestling business. Anderson says Wardlow can put AEW on his shoulders and carry it forward. But the legend tells Wardlow he might have to play dirty sometimes. He may have to gouge someone's eye out. He may have to bite a thumb off. He may have to crack somebody in the head with a chair. And that's when Christian Cage music plays and he comes out with Luchasaurus. They stop short of getting into the ring. They're about halfway up the ring steps. And then Christian goes back down. They stare down Wardlow. And then he convinces Luchasaurus to walk with him to the back. Okay, first of all, let me just say, love the promo from Arn Anderson. I think he was uh, having a hard time speaking. Like, his voice was really low and groggy. I think the fans kind of noticed it because they were getting really loud and it was hard to hear Arn Anderson at times. So, I don't know if the microphone was too low or if Arn needs to start speaking up more or get his throat checked or whatever the fuck. But either way, the promo was great. I liked seeing Christian come out, but I thought it was stupid they didn't speak. I would have much rather enjoyed seeing a segment. Have Christian get in the ring, have Wardlow and Luchasaurus stand across from each other, and have Christian cut a promo on Arn Anderson. Maybe Arn battles back verbally. Maybe the two big guys, Luchasaurus and Wardlow, start looking like they're about to go at it, but then the the two managers make them back down or whatever, or they hightail it out or, or leave. Or if they don't want to worry about getting physical, have them talk on the rampway or something why make them walk all the way down and then step all the way back with no words that's fucking stupid to me it makes christian luchasaurus look stupid and it just looks creepy and awkward to me that was a waste of time i'm sure they're gonna do something next week and i'm sure they're gonna try to build up something but there is a part of me that would like to see these two fight for the tnt title and by two i mean wardlow and luchasaurus at double or nothing maybe they can lead to that that's something i would like to see but i'm definitely looking forward to the promo battles between Arn Anderson and Christian. That's going to be interesting to see. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Sammy Guevara and the AEW World Champion MJF who walks in to hype him up. Guevara kisses MJF's forehead. MJF kisses his. MJF says he's being accused of politicking for the Pillars Tournament. They both say they don't care about that or the claim that they're compromising the sanctity of the sport with their actions. Guevara gives MJF his own vest. MJF gives Guevara his own Burberry scarf. Okay, this right here was a goofy fucking segment. But because of the chemistry these two have, it works. This works. The chemistry's great. It's hilarious. It's funny. And what makes this work, and we find this out on commentary, so I'll mention it now because I don't want to mention it during the match. But apparently, the check that MJF gave to Sammy G, the big fat check, is a post-dated check. So, basically, the check doesn't clear until after Sammy G lays down at double or nothing. So, it's not like he's already given him the money and he's trusting Sammy not to go into business for himself. It's like, no, you have to lay down, let me pin you, and then the check will clear. That's what has to happen. So, now, everything's great. So, the best part is, if Sammy G tries to fuck him, he can stop the check 
And if MJF fucks Sammy, then obviously Sammy will make his life a living hell. But that remains to be seen. Then we cut to another section of the backstage area with RJ City, who gets attacked by John Moxley. Uh, the former AEW World Champion vows that the Blackpool Combat Club will leave some scars tonight. Which I guess okay, they're beating people up backstage and looking to leave people laying, and obviously they're trying to hype up the fact that they're feuding with uh, the cancer cells. So nothing really interesting here. So on that note. We're going to move on to the next match of the evening. The finals of the Pillars Tournament. Darby Allen goes one-on-one against Sammy Guevara with Ty Mello. Okay, first thing I want to say right off the bat is it's about fucking time Darby Allen started wrestling. I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest. This is the best match I've seen Darby Allen have since he fought CM Punk. When Darby Allen had that match with CM Punk at All Out when he debuted, that was the one and only good match I ever saw Darby Allen have until now. Now, a lot of people out there are going to try to list other matches that Darby Allen had that were great. I don't acknowledge those matches because they were reckless, stupid, spot monkey bullshit where basically Darby Allen tries to kill himself every week. And here, that wasn't the case. These two actually had a match. Darby Allen actually wrestled. Darby Allen actually did wrestling holds. Darby Allen actually had some ground game. He wasn't jumping around the ring like a fucking idiot like he normally does. Now, of course, they fought on the outside, but who doesn't? But either way, it was great. And Sammy Guevara was the one keeping Darby Allen on the ground, which shocked me even more. Like, these two actually tried to have a match. Now, of course, eventually, the spots came in, you know, going off the top and everything else, but it wasn't 90% of the fucking match. So when those spots did happen, they meant something. And then, of course, in the end, um, Allen rallies and hits a shotgun dropkick. MJF comes down, throws Allen's skateboard at him. Darby catches it, and Guevara flops to the ground, making it seem like Allen hit him. The referee calls for the bell, and Sammy Guevara wins via disqualification. So now they basically said, because Darby Allen has been disqualified, qualified, he lost the match. So it'll be Sammy Guevara versus MJF for the AEW World title at Double or Nothing. They're getting the one-on-one match. And then afterwards, they start beating down on Darby Allen. Jungle Boy Jack Perry comes in to make the save. MJF grabs a microphone and says, Allen and Guevara going back to the undercard because they suck. And of course, you know, at first, you know, Jungle Boy's trying to help Darby Allen up, but he slaps his hand away and he yells at him because he's like, why are you coming out here now? You should have been out here with me before. You knew they were going to do this shit. Which to an extent, I understand. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Jungle Boy should have been out there with him. But again, Darby didn't make a great compelling case because he had like an arrogant jackass. So I don't blame Jungle Boy for not coming out there. Storyline wise, it wouldn't have made sense. Why would you go help somebody that basically said I can easily beat you make it again logic use it fuckers and then of course in the midst of all this Tony Schiavone's got Tony Khan in his ear so he interrupts this whole thing calls MJF a prick because he takes great pride in doing that and he reveals that at AW double or nothing Sammy Guevara will in fact be part of the title match but Sammy Guevara might not be the only one they announced that next week on Dynamite will be a tag team match it will be the team of MJF and Sammy Guevara versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Darby Allen. And basically, if MJF and Sammy Guevara win, if they can win the match, then they will have their one-on-one match at Double or Nothing where Sammy's basically going to lay down. However, if Darby...
Darby Allen and Jack Perry can win the match. Then they will be added to the match, and we will have a pillars four-way at Double or Nothing. And of course, MJF gets pissed off. He leaves the building. He's fired up. He's talking about how Tony Khan keeps trying to screw him ever since he won the title. And he says, if you think you're going to keep me here by doing this, you're wrong. Because of course, he's referring to the bidding war of 2024. And then Guevara goes again to MJF's car, but MJF tells him the car is full, even though from the camera angle, we can clearly see it's empty. And he gets in the car and leaves by himself. And Sammy kind of looks at him like, okay, okay. But like, not happy about it. Clearly looking at him like, oh, so now that there's a possibility of a fatal four-way, you suddenly don't want to be my friend. Which again, this logic is fucking stupid. The whole purpose of MJF and Sammy Guevara being a team is MJF wanting Sammy to lay down for him so he can continue the reign of terrorist champion. Why would you leave a guy stranded at the building that you're going to team up with next week and who you're paying money to to lay down for you? Again, this is stupidity. You want to keep Sammy Guevara as close to you as possible until he lays down for you. Then you can, then you can, you know, stick it to him, metaphorically. Then you can say, fuck you, motherfucker. But until then, you want him right there beside you to be your best fucking friend so you don't have to face him one-on-one in an actual wrestling match. Tell me again why Tony Khan deserves to be Booker of the Year. Oh, wait, I forgot. It's because he's not Vince McMahon. That That's the reason. That's the reason he gets this fucking award. But either way, this is going to be intriguing because as Gary and I have mentioned multiple times on this show there should be a fatal four way let's have the pillars match let's make it happen you know it's going to happen so if this is the right catalyst for it so be it and then of course after this this is when Jack Perry and Darby Allen finally start talking like now Jungle Boy reaches out Darby Allen just takes his hand and helps him up because now Darby realizes whether he likes it or not he has to coexist with Jungle Boy because if they lose this tag match they're not getting a shot at the title and of course Tony Schiavone is like well their egos prevent them from winning and I get he's an announcer and he's trying to create doubt so I respect Tony for it but here are the facts again logic I don't care how much these two hate each other they should want the world heavyweight title more than they hate the other person if your hatred for another person overrules you getting a shot at the world heavyweight title you are not mature enough to be a world heavyweight champion that's why I always thought that type of logic is stupid like you should want to be the champion you have a shot at being the champion coexist for one night win the match and then after the match is over it can be every man for himself at the pay-per-view it's all about the world heavyweight title you should want to be the world champion and you should want to be the world champion for two reasons one to solidify that you're the best that's the kayfabe reason and the other reason because the champions make the most money or they should make the most money that's your shoot reason for wanting the belt And on that note, we cut to Adam Cole coming to the ring and calls out Chris Jericho. He says Jericho crossed the line that he can't come back from. Cole vows to hurt Jericho badly. Jericho appears on the video screen and says he won't be fighting Cole tonight. He calls Cole a coward because he sat there and watched his girlfriend get beat up. He then sends out the Jericho Appreciation Society. Daniel Garcia, Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, and Jake Hager. They all attack Adam Cole. Next thing you know, Orange Cassie and Bandito try to make the save, but they're outnumbered suddenly an unfamiliar theme song plays and Roderick Strong comes to the ring he makes the save and embraces Cole 
Okay, first off, I liked the in-ring promo from Adam Cole. It was much better than the interview he did earlier. I like the fact he called him a son of a bitch. You cross line can't come back from. I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to hurt you bad. I can't help but feel like that's a little too PG. Let's be honest. It's AEW. Unless the network finally cracked down on these guys and got them to stop swearing, I see no reason why he can't say, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to destroy you, Chris. I'm going to tear you apart. You hurt my woman. I'm going to hurt your everything. Now get your ass out here, you son of a bitch. That's the type of anger I want to see. That's what you should want to do. I feel like he's using kitty words and the reason doesn't justify. That being said, Chris Jericho did good. You know, trying to act like, you know, he sat there and watched it when in reality he was handcuffed to the ring ropes. Yeah, apparently they, they wrapped the one cuff around his wrist and the rope. That's why the other one was just basically sitting there. It was fucking awkward, but still. It happened, and Jericho's trying to, you know, manipulate the game. But what really impressed me the most here was the was Roderick Strong showing up, because I didn't even know that his contract in WWE expired. I did find it weird that he hadn't been on TV, and it's even weirder now that Diamond Mine no longer has a leader on NXT, but I did have a feeling he was coming to AEW, seeing as how technically his wife works here. His wife, of course, being Marina Schaefer. And the only thing that could have made this better was instead of pocket and Bandito that had been Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly which I know Bobby Fish was released or he left and now he's in Impact Wrestling but where's Kyle O'Reilly? Did he retire or something? This would have been a perfect opportunity to bring back the undisputed elite. This would have been great. Now obviously it would be the undisputed elite minus the dumb fucks who didn't need to be in there to begin with but have the four main guys the undisputed guys. That's what I would have done. I would have brought back Bobby Fish. I'd have brought back Kyle O'Reilly. Get them on TV. Have Kyle O'Reilly show up. The fucker Pockets and Bandito doing here. They got nothing to do with this. They got nothing invested in this. They need to be involved in this rivalry pockets has a worthless title to defend and bandito ain't worth shit so those two being out there was just fucking unnecessary but either way i love the adam cole roger strong reunion and i look forward to see what happens next but i still say they need to bring back bobby fish and kyle o'reilly to a complete this and help build out a better feud with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Maybe they add a fifth person to combat the fact that there's five members of the JAS. I don't know who their, their fifth person would be. But also, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly going for Tag Team Gold would also be helpful. Whether they're on AEW or Ring of Honor. And on that note, we cut to the newest edition of QTV. We see Powerhouse Hobbs, who makes it clear that he's frustrated following his loss to Wardlow. QT Marshall promises he'll be a champion again. This is, of course, another waste of time. You know, Powerhouse Hobbs basically saying, I was doing better when I was following the book. You know, the book of Hobbs, that bullshit. And maybe he will be a champion again, but maybe he should fight for another title because I feel like Wardlow's going to do more with the TNT title than fucking Hobbs. I'm sorry, this. I'm not buying Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, he's a badass. He's got the muscular look, but this guy is not over, and he's not getting over. And the Booker of the Year doesn't seem to have a foolproof method to keep him over on the rare moments he tries to get over. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the TBS Championship. Jay Cargill defends the title against Taya Valkyrie. Where do I fucking begin? Not only is this one of the saddest moments I've ever seen in wrestling, but it was a disgrace to Taya Valkyrie. And I say this as someone who has worked with Taya Valkyrie on the indies, and as someone who knows for a fact that Taya Valkyrie is one of the best 
female wrestlers on the fucking planet. I still hate the fact that NXT dropped the ball with her. Was her goddamn ridiculous. Like, their loss was AEW's gain. And they fucked it up again. Now, they managed to have some type of decent match. You know, Jake, this is actually one of the best matches Jade Cargill's ever had. Taya Valkyrie has definitely had better matches. This was not one of her better matches. But this is definitely one of the best matches Jade Cargill's ever had. And Taya is to thank for that. But then she goes for the road to Valhalla, but she hesitates because she would be disqualified if she used the move because of the cease and desist bullshit. So she drops, she lets her go, puts her head on her hands to like she's frustrated. And then Cargill rolls up Valkyrie. One, two, three. I swear to God, Vince Russo could have booked a better finish than this. Vince McMahon wouldn't have booked a finish this crappy. I guarantee it. This is one of the shittiest finishes to a wrestling match I have ever seen. It's a fucking disgrace because Taya Valkyrie deserves better. The only logical explanation I could come up with for this abomination of a fucking finish is that you're planning on having a rematch at Double or Nothing where Taya takes the belt. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Here's what I think should happen. They should have another match where if Taya wins, she can use the road to Valhalla. So she wins the match a certain way, however she does it. Maybe she does a roll-up of her own, one, two, three. Then gets the move reinstated then they have the match of double or nothing and Taya uses road to Valhalla to get a definitive clean one two three victory and win the TBS championship I would do that now if people think Jade should wait till she loses the title to get pinned okay then then we drive this out to double or nothing Taya uses in a, a different finisher or when the ref's back is turned she hits the road to Valhalla that way the ref doesn't see it one two three and Taya wins but either way this is a shitty fucking finish to a shitty fucking match and there better be something to make up for this going forward because if this is the end of this feud then again as I mentioned a lot in this episode Tony Khan should be stripped of his Booker of the Year award if this is how he's ending this fucking shit and then Valkyrie attacks Cargill Lila Gray and even goes after Aubrey Edwards after the bell then we cut to the backstage area with Britt Baker alongside Jamie Hayter as they target the outcasts they make it clear the feud is far from over and the outcasts have declared war and also she reminds them that they can be just as dangerous as they are and of course Britt and Jamie are saying that and obviously they plan on carrying this feud forward as well they should you know they beat Britt Baker to death they put Jamie Hayter in the hospital Jamie's got her arm in a sling which of course here's the million dollar question is Jamie gonna get healed up from that injury fast or is she gonna be forced to relinquish the AEW Women's Championship what the fuck are they gonna do here with this because if she can't compete she can't defend the title she has to be stripped there's a 30 day rule on that so we got to see what they do with this and that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up this recap of AEW because the main event of course involves Kenny Beta and Take a Shitta and because of the elite rule I don't talk about those fucking things so the second those two idiots walked to the fucking ring I shut the TV off came up here and started recording this episode so I'm officially wrapping this up uh, thank you guys for tuning in hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast we're on Anchor Spotify Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on Facebook go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content make sure you check out the latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment it just dropped yesterday so you can go check it out uh, it's got myself the Wens and Desmond who is now a new member of the Male Soap Opera Moment and its current champion. 
uh, as we recapped WrestleMania. And of course, next week, we'll have a new episode where we give our predictions for WWE Backlash. So all that is on the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. I got videos coming soon to the channel. Complaint times, live streams from Twitch coming over here, provided the copyrights don't fuck with me. And of course, I'm still in the process of getting a lot of things fixed, but the rest of Dark Side of the 90s will be coming soon uh, with Dark Side of the Ring premiering at the end of next month. New episodes of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring will be coming soon. And of course, when I can get around to it, I'm going to get together with Lance for Dark Side of Football and get some comedians for Dark Side of Comedy. All of that coming soon to the YouTube channel. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys join us for the biggest party of the summer. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content the peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere $9.99 10 dollars per month the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states ever since they sold the peacock got nowhere to put that $9.99 so $10.99 bring it over here we got better content in the network and unlike endeavor we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want you have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.